Spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. Hey there, pointers. Welcome back to Max Mike Movies, the show that dares to ask the question, seriously? This week, we're hunting down and murdering another edition of Guilty Pleasures, where we take turns choosing a movie that we really like, even though we know it's deeply, deeply wrong. So wrong. How wrong is it? We should be spanked. Because it's naughty to like these movies. I'm a naughty boy. I'm a naughty boy. (laughs) (laughs) This time out, we're we're talking about one of my guilty pleasures, the 1997 John Cusack movie Gross Point Blank. Once again, we're pushing the boundaries of the definition of guilty pleasure, as I don't think anyone has ever called this a bad movie, but it's certainly a flawed movie. And there are people who either really like it or really can't stand it. Can I can I make just one little correction real quick? Yeah. Grossy pointy blanket. <laughs> you are fired. <laughs> fired. Fired. Damn. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yep, I, do the show am, alone. Yep. <laughs> I am your host, that cold-blooded, dead-eyed killer who goes by the code name Max Levine. I gotta rethink that code name. I don't think it's very concealing. That's your code name? Yep. And I am an apple fritter named Mike Luce. <laughs> Yes, and if you do, if you can penetrate the obscure cloak of my code name, and you want to contract contact us, you can get to us in all sorts of ways. Or if you, you want have, to contract him, <laughs> yes, you want to contract us. You can contract us at either come see us at our website, maxmikemovies.com, where all of our back issues are, back all of issues. our previous shows. I think you're having issues this week. Oh well. <laughs> You can also listen to us on your favorite podcast app on either Android or iOS or Palm if you use that. I'm sure they have one. Wait, what's that? Uh, the Palm Pilot. Oh, Palm. The, uh, I think tri- it's the- Palm like P-O-M like the pomegranate juice. I'm like, no, no, what? no. Palm. <laughs> palm. What's your matter? You don't speak no English? They, they do yeah. the Palm thing? They still do they- that? Palm is still out there in some weird form and there is a small group of diehard fanatics who oh. still love, not the Treo, but Palm came out with this thing called the Palm One. It's actually kind of a cute little phone, but anyway. So now, wait, these are the folks who meet next door to the Amiga group, right? Yes, okay. pretty much, pretty much. Uh, you can also f- check us out and like us on Facebook in the Facebook page, Max Mike Movies. Or you can get in touch with us on the Twitter, where we are Plort Max Mike Movies. Plort being the correct way to pronounce the at sign. <laughs> you know. And you can also email us directly at us, literally U.S., without the periods, at MaxMikeMovies.com. You know, I think this is this is show... Well, I have no idea what broadcast number it'll be, but I think this is show 36. They know Plort. Yeah. And if yeah, they, they do. don't, we don't want them. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, wait. Yes, we do. Don't yes, leave. We do. Don't, we do. Please don't, don't leave. Don't let them come back. <laughs> yes, no, that that's it. And you see, now we're not going to... We're going to stop explaining Plort. So you guys who've been with us from the beginning... You'll, you'll have this sort of smug, superior glow when we use it and nobody else gets it. Ooh, I love to read by that glow. Mm. So, uh, we've mm. got this movie, Grossy Pointy Blanky. Yes, uh, we it, do. And the plot, it goeth thusly. Ooh. The show. Martin Q. Blank, he, that's right, his middle initial is Q, is a contract killer, a hitman, who's been working in his chosen profession for about ten years. He's starting to feel dissatisfied with his life. 
When a job comes up that takes him near his home in Gross Point, Michigan, he takes the opportunity to attend his 10-year high school reunion and re reconnect with the love of his life, his high school girlfriend. However, at the reunion, his past and his present come crashing together with, shall we say, complicated results. I think that about covers it. More or less. Mm. You wouldn't think that there'd be much trivia about this film, would you? Would you think there's much trivia? Much, uh, I Lee? I, I would, because I've watched this film many times, and I've read about it, and it's actually, there's quite a lot going on here. There is! There well, is, and let me tell you. Oh, first boy. First of all, this, uh, this movie features most of the acting members of the Cusack family. <laughs> I did in notice addition, a lot of Cusacks in the credits. Yeah, in addition to the obvious ones, which John Cusack, who is the star, he was also one of the writers, uh, his sister Joan Cusack, very well known. He she plays his secretary Marcella. His his other sister Anne Cusack shows up as Amy, the drunk who barges in on his date with uh, Debbie at the bar. You know, keeps calling him Marvin. <laughs> and uh, Bill Cusack, who we all remember as waiter. Oh, yeah. You know yep. that's when the movie really turned for me. He walks away <laughs> with the film. It's amazing. Uh, only one other sister, Susie, and his father, Dick, are absent. Wait, wait what, what about Brian Doyle Cusack? Isn't he in this? <laughs> I, I think I think he is, but I believe he's playing a potted plant. He ah. is in shot at all times. <laughs> yeah, or Joe Belushi Cusack, yeah. I think is in Jim, there. Jim, Jim, Jim Belushi, Belushi Cusack. Yeah. 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 Cusacks. Yep. There are Cusacks everywhere. The cast, the rest of the cast is pretty interesting. I mean, you also have Barbara Harris who is an acclaimed older film actress. This was her last film in the one scene playing Martin's mother. Oh. Yep. And uh, uh, Grocer, we never get his first name, a colleague of Martin's, another hitman who is trying to form a union. <laughs> is, yeah, a hitman union played by Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> That's like they can have benefits in a website. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And they can have an annual dinner and I don't know what else. <laughs> and a reunion. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure we all recognize as one of the two NSA agents that there was Hank Azaria. Yep, I'd forgotten he was in this. Mm-hmm. And Minnie Driver plays Debbie. Yes, she does. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, this is the first film appearance of an actress named Jenna Elfman. She was the blonde woman who's in the neck brace at the reunion, which, by the way, is a tribute to Joan Cusack's character from Sixteen Candles, who is in a neck brace the whole movie. I uh, never saw it. Yeah, it's a cute little, it's a cute teen John Hughes movie. Well, it has Molly Ringworm in it, and I'm not a big fan of hers. <laughs> yeah, it has a bunch of the Brat Pack. Mm. What other trivia have yeah. you got? Well, Martin's invitation to his reunion, at one point, he, it's, got, it's tucked in the mirrors, he's getting ready. It, it requires attendees to, quote, dress to kill. <laughs> oh yeah now george armitage the director originally planned to shoot the high school scenes at gross point south high but couldn't get permission from the school board because for some reason they thought it would felt it would be inappropriate to give the idea that one of their graduates became a hitman so uh the it was shot in the john in john marshall high school in los angeles i thought it felt very not michigan Mm. No, but, most of it is done in California. There are a couple of aerial shots that yeah. are of Gross Point, but that's it. Yeah. Uh, also, the there is a sequence in an Ultimart mm. where the, where uh, the employee is playing Doom, actually Doom Two, 
Now, do you realize the problem there? Well, Doom Two was a co- was a computer game. It was a, it wasn't even a console game. You didn't. It get was to play ne- that. yeah. It was it was never actually available as a commercial arcade game. I was going to ask because I knew you'd know. Mm. You played a lot of yep. Doom, didn't you? I did. I was actually that's the only computer game I ever actually genuinely thought I was addicted to. I just couldn't stop. I thought it was Wolfenstein. No, I played that too, but I did get his hooked once. You know, once I killed Hitler, it was like eh, okay. <laughs> Well, Listen once you've up. killed Hitler, you've done it all. So Yeah, pretty much. There's not much point. But Doom 2, I just kept playing and playing and playing. I would play. I would be sitting there going, okay, I'm gonna, i got to grade some papers, but I'm going to play Doom Doom 2 for like oh, half an hour. And then suddenly, why are my shoulders cramping? Why is it dark? Wow. Oh, God, I've been playing for four hours. Wow. Huh. Yeah. 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 So, like, my best buddy here, uh, I don't even, I'm surprised he knows what a joystick is, because <laughs> video games are not his thing at all. No. He doesn't no, know any really... systems. Nope. I played a few computer games, but honestly, I think Doom burned me out. I huh. just, after that, I just couldn't do it. Well, you know, that was 22, 3, 4 years ago now, so... Well, that's all right. Anyway, uh, what else? Uh, apparently, also, Quentin Tarantino was a fan of George Armitage's work. And apparently got to know him. And there is, in fact, a little nod to Tarantino in the Ultimart shootout. He, George Armitage says, I called him and said, could I use your lobby card of the Pulp Fiction cast? And uh, they wired the squibs and shot it up. And Tarantino wanted to make a cameo. He wanted to make it be shot or blown up or something, but it of, never happened. Of course he did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the goon who is stalking Martin, who is referred to as the ghoul. Yeah. Yeah. Do you recognize him? He was in a Bond movie, wasn't he? No, he was in a Jackie Chan movie. Oh, that's where I know him yes, from. That is Benny the Jet Arquides. He's he scary. Is, <laughs> he is a world champion kickboxer. Honest to God, master martial artist. Also, John Cusack's kickboxing instructor. I was going to say, I knew that Cusack took kickboxing for like yeah. 20 years or something. Yeah, he's actually apparently really good. Mm. Uh, he actually trained with him, and uh, in in another Cusack movie, the one everyone remembers him from, which is Say Anything, there's a cameo by uh, the kickboxing champion of the time, Don the Dragon Wilson. Isn't uh, is that Lloyd Dobler? Is that where that comes from? Yes, okay. that's right. That's exactly where it comes from. <laughs> I've never actually seen that movie either. Oh, it's it's charming. It oh, that's really what I heard. Is. I had nothing against mm-hmm. it. I just haven't. It's, yeah. you think I and I like John Cusack. I just somehow haven't seen that one. Yeah, I definitely recommend that. But uh, there are, speaking of Bond, there are several Bond movie references uh, in the movie, which I'm betting you caught. At least one is pretty obvious. That's when he tries to kill the guy with poison down a string. Yes. uh, Well, here's uh, the Never Say Never Again. Yeah, yeah. Actually, no, that's a You Only Live Twice. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah. We live twice and, uh, where, where, J- where John Connery has to dress up as a Japanese person. Oh, God. Ah, Quebec, I'm Japanese now. <laughs> <laughs> ah, sayonara. Uh, Ginsu. Sayonara, shaka. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I don't actually speak Japanese, but whatever. Japanese. Uh, anyway. And, uh, what uh, I- there's also uh, the Guns N' Roses version of the theme from Live and Let Die. Yes. Which was playing when Martin rolls up to the Ultimart for the first time. Yeah, nugs and sores. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when he enters the Ultimart, it changes to a Muzak version of the same song. I wondered about that. It's like, yep. well, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, there are also a few references here and there to Goldfinger. Okay. Oh yeah. Well, the funny thing is that one that that scene where he is outside the Ultimart 
and he's looking yep. across the street, and then we see the Altamart, and then we go back. It's mm-hmm. one of the only times, and I maybe I'm wrong, but it's one of the only times in movie history where I looked at that and said, those are two totally different places. Yeah. And the house yeah. behind him, it's mm-hmm. like, that looks very much like the back lot because I've been to <laughs> all the tours and I've seen the back lot. And there is a certain back lotishness that if you don't disguise it well, you can tell. And for yeah. me, it's like that Ultimart and that house are not even in the same state. <laughs> and I could be wrong, but yeah. Yep. I believe it. So anyway, go ahead. One of the the odd things about this movie is the radical shifts in tone. Yeah. And uh, according to George Armitage, he basically shot three movies simultaneously. One that stuck to the script, one that was mildly understated, and one that was, quote, completely over the top, including in terms of improv and energy. It's usually the third version that got used of the scenes. Huh. There it means there are alternate takes of just about every scene still out there somewhere. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, a lot of this movie is improvised. A lot of the dialogue is. Well, in a way that doesn't surprise me because I was thinking, you know, this is John Cusack at his most John Cusack. He's very John Cusack. Yeah. In this. Uh, And another sign of a John Cusack movie is there is a Jeremy Piven in it. Who's Jeremy Piven? He's his friend Paul. Oh, that yeah. guy! It's like I, it's like I swear I've seen him before. Yeah, you've seen him. He, he's best known these days for being in that show Entourage, which I never watched. Not me either. But uh, Jeremy Piven is in like a lot of John Cusack movies. They were good buddies growing up, and John puts him in all those movies. Well, there you go. Yeah, the cast also has one Oscar winner and four Oscar nominees. Now, uh, many, winner... many drivers at least a nominee. Yes, she is. So is Barbara Harris. So is Dan Aykroyd uh, really? and Joan Cusack. Yeah. Joan Cusack, I can see, but Dan Aykroyd? Yeah, jo- yeah, Dan Aykroyd was nominated, I believe, for My Girl as Best Supporting Actor. Okay. Mm-hmm. Alan Arkin, I love. Alan yes. Arkin is wonderful, and I love him in this as Dr. Oaken. Yeah, cute, huh? Oaken, Arkin. Well, at one point, he says Oldman, and I'm like, what? Uh, and I was like, I thought it was, oh, well. <clears throat> eh, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not no, sure. No, 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 you're right. But it, there's one point where he, his, like, his voice answering machine says Oldman. And uh, I'm like, maybe they changed the name or something. Oh, well. Yeah, it could, it could have been a glitch, yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, when Mar- uh, Marcella is speaking, one of my favorite, it's just a great moment. Marcella's on the phone. You know, Joan Cusack is on the phone speaking to her friend Amelia on, about a soup recipe and then flipping over to another line to harangue an, uh, some shipping clerk about an order of subsonic ammunition that hasn't shown up yet. <laughs> yeah. And um, Amelia, by the way, is Minnie Driver's real first name. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course. Minnie's short for... Well, usually it's Minerva. That's what I would have thought. Amelia? Yeah, apparently. Okay. Yeah. yeah. John, you know what John Cusack's real name is? No. John Cusack. <laughs> Weird. I know! <laughs> Hollywood is so odd. Mm. Any more trivia for us? Uh, just one or two others. Uh, there is a shout out to Dr. Strangelove in this movie. Okay, he's At not one a real point, person, but all right. No, no, the movie, Dr. Strangelove. When uh, Debbie, when, when Martin's visiting Debbie in her apartment and she says, you're a bike and psycho, Martin's response is basically similar to General Buck Turgidson's response, giving his answer to the president. There's, uh, there's nothing to figure out, General Turgidson. The man is obviously a psychotic. Well, uh, I'd hold off judgment on a thing like that until all the facts are in. 
Uh, are yeah. you sure that that's not General Turd Ferguson? Because I think it's yeah, I'm Turd pretty Ferguson. sure it's Turgidson. <laughs> and uh, one last thing: when Grocer shows up and is trying to kill Debbie's father, and uh, Martin's trying to protect them, you can hear Grocer speaking through the uh, the du- the ductwork. Yep. And he's quoting Revelation thirteen. You know, he's yelling. He's quoting the Bible as, and they gave, gave worship to the dragon because he gave authority to the beast. And worshiping the beast, they said, "Who is the be- is like the beast, and who is able to go to make war with him?" Hmm. And then, of course, he starts singing. You know, he'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. He'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. I'll be blowing your fucking head off. I'll be blowing your blanket mind off. I'll be blowing <sighs> your fucking head off. And you come. I know you'll have to beep it. Sorry, <laughs> you're causing me work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to make you work, uh, but uh, that's pretty much it. There's a lot. There's a lot of other stuff. I barely scratched because there's a lot of back, you know, background and right other like, weird stuff. But uh, that's pretty much. Oh, one other thing: the oh. creepy security guard Terry. Yeah, you know the guy who shows up uh, and he, like wants to show Martin his gun and such. That is Steve Pink, one of the writers. Ah, mm-hmm. ah, yep. And if I might add one more, ah. It's always nice when you write yourself into your own movie. Okay. Well, we're, we're not checking your uvula. That's fine. <laughs> ah. <laughs> well. Mm. All right. So. The Lowdown. First off, uh, yep. uh, actors. So mm. I, Alan Arkin is, is wonderful. I mean, he's, he's, yes. a, he's the Academy Award winner, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and there's reason for that. And it's not a big part, but man, he... As soon as he shows up, and you're like, because you don't see him at first, he's off camera, and he's right. plays he plays a apparently a random psychiatrist that this hitman has decided is going to be his doctor, and who had told him once he found out that John Cusack's character was a hitman that he never wanted to see him again. It's a it's a great line. He's like, I can't see you. I'm emotionally involved. How do you mean you're emotionally involved? I'm afraid of you. <laughs> He, it's a great, he does great. Alan Arkin, mm-hmm. I, I look, it felt to me like they said, oh, we really need him. Oh, he's only got two days to film. That's fine. And <laughs> they worked him in and he's great. And he's just right off the bat. Wonderful. Um, I love John Cusack. You know, I, I, I don't love him, but yeah. uh, I, I've really enjoyed John Cusack. He doesn't have much of a range. I think mm-hmm. when you go to see a John Cusack film, you go to see John Cusack, kind of like Harrison Ford. And that's fine. Um, I'm trying to think of a performance by him that I didn't like, and I can't think of one. I thought he showed a little bit of range and high fidelity. He's a very kind of different character. He's not nearly... Usually he's very likable. Oh, and, I... And he's just a huge jerk in that movie. But he has redemption, and that's all that Yeah, happens. yeah, he does. And he's but... funny. No matter what, he's funny. And let's face yeah. it, uh, he keeps Jack Black in uh, under control. <laughs> so yeah. you have to give him points yeah. for that. Because Jack Black is like... For all of us who work retail, Jack Black is what we'd like to be. And John Q's like, no, we have to be nice to the customers. Um, that Yeah, I know it's a different movie, but I love Jack Black's line to some random middle-aged guy. There is no way your daughter would like this album unless she's in a coma. Oh, is she in a coma? <laughs> I, I like High Fidelity a lot. Mm. Um, I like Jack Black, and I do not like him in many things. Generally, mm. if Jack, if there's something to do with music, I think Jack Black does great. I even liked him in School of Rock. Uh, that should have been. Oh, he's good in that. But uh, anyway. I, I, I like High Fidelity a lot. Yeah. Um, I like. Uh, I you know this could have been a guilty pleasure. I really like um, Serendipity. 
<laughs> which oh, wow. is I know it's it's a, it's a rom com whatever. But uh, I I like John Cusack. I've seen him in lots of films. Uh, you know what you're getting, except for being John Malkovich, he was a little odd in that. But you know, so was the rest of the film. That was just a strange movie. Um, Mini Driver. I like Mini Driver. I think she mm-hmm. must have done this and Goodwill Hunting like back to back or something because I think they were right around the same time. I'm not sure. I think that's right. Because um, I know it was before I left Boston, which is 98. So, and this was 96. So uh, 97. Well, I mean, they would have shot this, it this in 96. True. True. Do you know? Now, here's the thing. I I, I don't think I've seen her oh, lately. That, you're right. It's the same. It was 19. Uh, Goodwill Hunting is 1997. Yeah. It's like I thought there was like she's like okay, and I got to go. Bye. Yeah. Um. Do, what happened to Minnie Driver? I don't think I've seen her in anything lately. Uh, she did a few movies. She does a lot of voice work. Uh, huh. Beyond that, no, she she sort of faded away a little bit. That's too bad. I really like her. <laughs> yeah, she's very she's very winning. You just it, she has, and I think she and John Cusack have real chemistry in this movie. Yeah, they they do very well together. It's whenever they not not every time, but often when they put two yeah. actors together like that, it's because they're both popular. But that doesn't mm-hmm. mean they work well together. Right. And we've talked about movies before, um, some of them good and some of them bad. Uh, Aragon, sadly, is is going right to my head. Well, remember how we thought that the lead uh, big blonde dumb guy and Princess What's-Her-Feather had Uh, no chemistry at all, but Aragon and the black-haired guy should have gone off into the sunset together. So, right, Harry and, and Murtaugh or whatever his name is. Whatever, was. Uh, Mad Madman Murdoch, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mad Mardigan. And they, and you can you can see. I also like the fact that she holds her own in this. Mm-hmm. That she's setting the rules. It's like you screwed me over. So no, you don't get to stay. No, you have mm-hmm. to go now. No, I'm not going to kiss you. Of course, later he wins her over because it's John Cusack, and that's what he does. Yeah, yeah. Hell, come on, I'd make out with him. Oh, you heard it first here, listeners. <laughs> Max would make up with John Cusack, Chloe John. He's adorable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I think that's her. I really like Joan Cusack in this. She's so delightfully odd as Marcella. But, of course, she kind of always is a little bit odd. I was going to say, when is she not? Name me a movie when when Joan isn't a little weird. Um, Yeah. It is fun seeing them act together. I think they did it at least one other time, and I can't think of the movie. They've done it several other times. She plays his sister in Say Anything, and there's a movie called War, Inc., which is sort of an informal sequel, some people have called it, to uh, Gross Point Blank, because John Cusack's in it, Joan Cusack plays his secretary, and Dan Aykroyd's in it as a colleague. Oh, she's in High Fidelity. Yes, yes, she is. She plays a mutual friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what I was thinking of. Uh, yeah, Joan's fun. Joan's always fun too. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm not as big a fan of Anne, and um, Bill. Bill's <laughs> performance leaves me a little cold. But you know, how can you not like Bill? <laughs> Bill is a Bill is a theater treasure. I he was, is a national treasure. <laughs> that man. Don't bring that film up, because uh, anyway, um, <laughs> uh, I, I was holding out for Brian Doyle Cusack, but you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, for those who don't know, uh, that's Bill Murray's brother brian doyle murray who uh, got his i think he kind of took over for bill after he left saturday night live and then he uh, shows up in a lot of bill's movies sort of like clint howard um shows up in a lot of ron howard's movies yeah and you you realize this is a guy who would not really have a career if he wasn't bill murray's brother probably not mm. it, probably very nice guy but yeah. there's, there's there's just not enough singularity about him mm. to yeah. me yeah Maybe it's just the parts he's been given. Let's let's be generous this week. Why I don't know. Yeah, um, we never really... we never we never are before. 
You know, and sadly, I've been hearing from a couple of our listeners that they really like it when we rip the films to shreds. Uh, and I admit, it's a lot of fun. It's oh, a lot yeah. of fun. But that's got you, you gotta get tired of that after. Yeah. Wait, wait till you get to our Oscar special. Um, so, so uh, go ahead. Th- let me talk a little bit about why, for me, this is kind of a guilty pleasure. By all means. Uh, this movie was not a major success. It didn't really catch on. And I can see why. The movie is very uneven. It is. It, it, just so you know, it did catch on around here, a big surprise. Well, sure, because it's, it's Michigan. Right. Yeah. It's the same reason why, like, Goodwill Hunting, which was a very popular movie, was really popular around here. I still cannot believe that I missed all of the filming. I yeah. literally worked around you were the block. Right there. A, a you number were, of the shots, I saw nothing. You were right on top of it. I'm amazed you weren't in the movie in the background. You know, and maybe if I look hard enough, I am. Because <laughs> with the bar that they, they go to early in the film where they're shooting baskets and he meets, you know, you know, oh, yeah, how yeah. do you like them apples? Well, the how do you like them apples? That's at the Baskin Robbins, which is up Mass Ave. Yeah. But that, that restaurant, that bar, is literally up the street from the comic store I used to work in. Where <laughs> they go and they're eating sub sandwiches and talking over belches. That was the Tasty, which is no <laughs> longer the there. Yeah, uh, although the Tasty had never looked that clean. Well, that's why they were shooting from the inside looking out. <laughs> Then, yeah. when they're outside and there's people playing chess and stuff, that was in front uh, of Obam Pan, which is no yep, longer there. But Oak all Center. of that stuff is within a block, within mm. a block of where I used to work. And how I missed them filming this, I don't know. Because mm. they would have big trucks and they would have had uh, cables yeah. and stuff. And would have been a big deal. It's usually I very noticeable. Saw nothing. But, <laughs> yeah, but, like, but this movie, it, it's not as widely appreciated. Do you find It's harder to find people who've seen it. And again, it is because here is what is attempting to be a romantic comedy and an action comedy and a black comedy all at the same time. I mean, there's the body count in this movie is 14. There's a lot of people die in this movie. Yeah, I was uh, watching the end of it with uh, with my partner here. And it's they have that Hollywood thing that whenever you get shot, you basically have to look like you just grabbed onto a live wire Yeah, um, to the point where it's it's just. It's kind of goofy. So every time they did that, I would do it because it's like, you know, <laughs> calm down, guys. I, I also I really like Dan Aykroyd in this. He is so he is so reveling in being awful. I think he's also reveling in the fact that he's not being his usual kind of schlub, yeah. stu- stupid character. He's actually at the top of his game, and he doesn't look at all like a hitman, which I think he's decided is part of the character. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I love it. His name is grocer and he does he looks like a grocery clerk and you know i was thinking it was spelled g-r-o-s-s-e-r meaning large nope. or or in a not you know gross yeah mm-hmm. gross. and then it wasn't until you were talking about it, it's like oh yeah grocery clerk <laughs> yep and it's spelled g-r-o-c-e-r there, there's a name you can have pride in um yeah. yeah he's fun and i can see that they would let people ad lib um, mm-hmm. And that was probably cool. But you're right. There are many parts of this film. And I'm going to go out and add another one. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of serious elements to this film. Most yeah. of the stuff having to deal with Minnie Driver and, and, and his relationship mm-hmm. is got humorous elements, but it's still kind of serious, too. Yeah, I mean, he what he did, the, part of the background with them is... They were going to. They were in in love. They were crazy in love in high school. And then the night of the prom, when he's supposed to take her, he disappeared. Yeah, he just left and <laughs> he joined the army. <laughs> yes, he left as he screams at the. I have to say, I know this is jumping again. My favorite scene in the movie is when he is driving with Jeremy Piven, and Jeremy Piven just you know he who was his who 
in the movie, like in real life, was his best friend in high school and had no idea. None of these people knew what happened to him. He just vanished. And at first when they meet, it's very subdued and gross. And he, and uh, Paul, that's the character's name, he's going, oh, yeah, he's doing good. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, I'm still doing this. And then suddenly he just starts slamming his hands on the horn while they're driving and screaming, Ten years! Ten years! Ten years! <laughs> just And I, I love that reaction. I was th- I remember watching that and thinking, if that was Mike... If that had happened to you and me, I can see that's exactly what I would start doing. Just screaming. If you had disappeared for 10 years and I would just start screaming, 10 years! 10 years! Huh. And his response, you know, Martin says to him, I freaked out, I joined the army, went into business for myself, I'm a professional killer. Which is kind of a running gag because he tells everybody what yeah, he does, everyone, and no one, of course, believes him because you he know. tells he tells Debbie, he tells Debbie's father, and you know, and he says that I'm a contract killer, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, right, you're just you're you're teasing us." Well, I think his father just goes, "That's nice," and goes, "Yes, back he to says his it's book. A, he says, oh, that's good. It's a growth industry, and then ignores him." Has his little scotch. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. No, there's, there's there's really good performances in yeah, this, uh, but as you say. Because he did real harm, real psychological damage to Debbie right. by just abandoning her like that. And she talks about that. And she had a disastrous marriage afterwards. And yep. she was saying, I, you know, beat myself up. I was such a masochist for years thinking I had done something to drive you away. Yep. And then her bedroom is exactly as it was in high school. I know she's yeah. moved back to the house. But they've everybody's left it as like this shrine. And she moves back into the shrine, which is yeah. weird. In fact, I think she calls it a shrine. Yeah. Um, yeah, she does. So, yeah, that's what I mean. It's like there's these serious parts. And then, like, when the ghoul shows up, like, there's that's not funny, like, comedy, ha-ha, hijinks, karate stuff. That's mm. like... No, they're you know. trying to kill each other. Yeah, and he's freaky. Like, they pick that guy, and yeah, he, I know he's he's Benny the Jet, blah, blah, blah. But he's freaky looking, you know? He, the guy is... A, I don't know what it is. He has a very strange face. He, he has looks... literally no detail around his eyes at all. Yeah. It's all smooth, smooth, smooth skin, and then, like, black eyeliner. It's just bizarre. You know, and he only has one line in the whole movie. He never speaks. He has one line. That's when he's trying to get into the reunion. He and says, it's me, Jimmy Olsen, or whatever his name he is. He says, it is, it is, and he says, he doesn't say it's me. It says, it is I, Stanley Goldblum. <laughs> and I, and he says it, well, partly the idea is Mr. Arquita is, while a fantastic martial artist, not an actor. I don't and, think he uh, says much in the Jackie Chan films either. <laughs> no, in the Jackie Chan film, I think he's in Drunken Master 2, uh, he doesn't say anything. Just, oh, yes, he, he does. does. Oh, he does? oh, okay, excuse me. He, he has that, that pithy line, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But no, that whole, that whole fight sequence is really disturbing because it's not cartoony. They're bleeding, yeah. they're bruising, they get really badly hurt, and eventually Martin kills him by jamming a pen in his neck. Yeah, and it was a pen like, given to him at the reunion by yes. one of his classmates who sells... Yeah. Uh, real estate and insurance or something no, like he's, that. No, he's a lawyer. He does like, a, oh. what does he say, a divorce and personal injury. Those two are kind of related, aren't they? Huh? Don't forget to read the cap. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> On the pen. That's for his, his top shelf clients, though. That's mm. yeah. uh, So <laughs> I, I agree. It is uneven. Yeah. There, I was actually, one of my notes was that once they get to the reunion, the film really kind of grinds to a halt until does, until the fight. It slows down. I think the reunion is very charming, a lot of it. It's just it's another movie. It doesn't it doesn't fit the pacing or the tone of the rest of it. No. I like some of the sequences like where he's holding the baby 
and yeah. he's looking at it like it's an alien. He has never, obviously never been around a child. He doesn't know what to do, but he's fascinated. And even when, he, and even when he, it's so cute when he takes a picture of Debbie with the baby. He's <laughs> using he's using a Micon, <laughs> which is his favorite of the a Russian spy camera. Yeah, and it's like, did, is nobody noticing that this? They've never seen this before. Okay, whatever. <laughs> um, I actually thought that the, the that's not the take I got from the baby at all. Mm. I got the take I got was he was looking at this child, and it's like I've never considered this before. But you know. Maybe I understand this now. Maybe I could do this. This maybe, maybe this that is could cool. be part of it. Yeah, I don't know. But you're right. There's like there's that serious part. I actually just like his line at one point where he turns to uh, to Debbie and says, "Would you like to go somewhere else now?" <laughs> <laughs> I still like when they walk in and he's going, uh, "We need hard liquor." Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you know and okay so because we're here now, I want to bring up class reunions because that's it's not what the film's about. And I no. think that's one of the other problems is that we're not exactly sure what the film's about. That's why it's mm. uneven. But class reunions seem to be a big thing. They're all they're probably second to high school romance in movies, right? Class mm. reunions. Oh my God, I have to go back to my class reunion. Now I think both of us have been to a class reunion once. Uh, I went, I went a couple of times. Uh, high school, I went to college one. Well, high school. Yeah, high school, I went to one full entirety, and I sort of, like, hung around the edges of one or two others. Yeah. So, the big, so there's a big difference. So, apparently, yeah. and I'm probably speaking to most people who might be listening, apparently high school is this big, horrible, dramatic thing that everyone feels they need to get over, and they have angst going back to because of all the stereotypical things that, I guess, happen to people. Max and I didn't have any of that. Um, well, I had some. I had uh, high, not so much from the high school, but just the, the adolescence and you know dealing with being a teenager. There was plenty of angst there, but it's true. I we didn't. Ha I this was not a high school where we had bullies. No. Or, or jocks. Well, we had jocks, but the jocks also did things like weaving in theater. So. Right. True. <laughs> yeah. The the cool badass kids were the ones who could play Stairway to Heaven on their guitar. Or, yeah. Or hung out in the well. Even I hung yeah. out in the smoking pit for three weeks. Mm. Um, yeah, we smoked at high school. I, some of the teachers came down sometimes too. We yeah. had no lockers, nope. none. We had no halls. Like all the buildings were separate, so there was no like hallways, which is a, a big deal. Um, there were cliques. There were definitely cliques. Yeah, but there was a there, there wasn't really any cliques that didn't have bleed over. True. Right? So it's like, oh, there's the jocks. Oh, but some of those are also like in the D and D group because they yeah. one of our one of our players yep. played all the sports. What there were of them, uh, mm -hmm. but he was also in our D and D group. So you know, well, as uh, Mike's partner often sneers at us, you guys <laughs> didn't go to high school. You went to art camp. Yeah, he has kind of a point. <laughs> he does. He also went to a regular high school, and yeah, mm -hmm. uh, he's avoided class reunions like the plague. Um, I went to one. I went to my 25th, and it's only because so one of my other classmates begged me. She got tricked into going, and she's like, look, I'm not going to know anybody. Will you please go? And I was like, oh, okay, I'll go. And it was not traumatic. It was not weird. Um, one of the things they tell you is, oh, everything feels so much smaller. The campus felt exactly the same. Um, the, the nice thing was for both of us was that, except for a little facial hair, I looked exactly the same, and this other person, her name is Martha, looked literally exactly the same the last yeah, time I saw her. Yeah, that was kind of disturbing. I think she's made some kind of pact with the devil, but... I, I don't know. Yeah, she just didn't age. But our, to be also to be fair, our class, um, 
Yeah. So we, if you look at the alumni notes, ours is the one that never has anything in it. None of us ever do anything. Yeah. So we there don't was ever I, write in. I think there was thirteen people. Now, to be mm. fair, my my graduating class was like ninety three. So that's actually that's a, a pretty large school. percentage. Um, but it wasn't. It was just like, you know, oh hey, this is this person. Some people you don't recognize, um, but you then you do and realize you have even less in common now than you did then. Um, and it was fine. It was a nice way to spend in an afternoon. Uh, I, I only felt bad because one of the people I was with then shanghaied you to take them back to uh, East Nowhere. Mm. Um, yeah, although we did right. hear some interesting stories about Kevin Spacey. Do you remember those? All of which oh, turned out yeah. to be true. Yep. Yeah, that's <laughs> a little unsettling. Yeah. Well, the main thing it seems to be for most people with their high school reunions is high school was either a nightmare, like the worst time of their lives, or that's where they peaked. Yeah. You know, they were the really popular kid. They were the jock, whatever. And they've always and they've never been able to let go of that. At least in the movies, that seems to be the major themes. Yeah, and there's usually never any winners, right? So you get there, and there's there. Everyone's turned out to be an insurance salesman. Even the lawyer. It's like, yeah, you may be a lawyer, but you know, no one's hanging around you. You're not. You're kind of squeegee-ish. <laughs> you know, uh, there's the drunk lady. I mean, it's, it, there was like they never seem to be good things. Like high school reunions just seem to be something that people end up going to and hating the fact that they went. Um, eh, and, I've heard of people who had good times. I didn't mind going to mine. I thought it was pleasant, and it was right, nice. yeah, but, it was nice to see some of these people and what happened to them. And but ours about, doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Ours is a little atypical, but yeah, I know people who've liked theirs. I just it's true. It doesn't seem to be the norm. It seems to be no. most people. It, it's like an obligation. And I, you know, I, I've certainly had trauma in my life, but the big trauma wasn't high school so mm. actually the best some of the best things happened like you know i had I, my big thing was junior high for any who want to know what happened to me in junior high there's a comic i did called harlan and you can read all about it you should um, too it's really good um but uh it was high school where i started making friends again and that's where i mm. discovered D D. and if there's one thing that has charted the course of my life it's <laughs> D D. uh so not really but Anyway, well, maybe that... we should do a series about the anyway. Uh... <laughs> Another one? Oh boy! <laughs> Aragon two, the yeah. mistake. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so high movie... school reunions. Yeah, this it's sort of the point of the film. Like he keeps like Joan, his 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 uh, secretary Marcella keeps trying to get him to go. Mm-hmm. Why I don't know. I think she's well, actually more interested in his past than he is. Well, I do like. I mean, she says he says, "Why are you so invested in this?" She goes. I'm just fascinated by the idea that you came, that you came from somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And I like the way she describes, he asked her, did you go to your reunion? She says, yeah, it was like everyone had swelled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that That's another scene I really love is, no, the movie isn't about the reunion. It's about him dealing with his past and dealing with his, what, what he does. And the fact that what he does is murder people for money. Well, maybe not anymore. Yeah, the idea is he wants to stop. Yeah, but... not because he feels bad about it. He's just he just doesn't feel satisfied in his work anymore. Yeah, yeah it's very <laughs> as as he says to Debbie when she is, you know, not surprisingly when she discovers what he, that he really is a an assassin, and she's freaking out, and he's trying to be very rational about it, and he brings up some unfortunately good points where he's saying, you know, I work for the government. He said, and she's saying good people don't you know don't kill people or don't have people killed. And he says that's kind of naive. <laughs> I mean, every government that's ever existed has had people killed. Every government has had its, its every major power has assassins. That's 
part of the way it works. And he's just doing it. But as he puts it, they discovered that he had a certain moral flexibility. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. lack of morals. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and it is unusual because he does seem to be very kind of disconnected. And he, you wonder, is this guy a sociopath? Except for her. Right. Because he loves her. He clearly is just obsessed with her. <laughs> he keeps calling his psychiatrist about her and stuff. Yeah. And poor <laughs> Alan Arkin is just like, you know, trying to ignore him and it's like, pick up, I know you're there. And he's like shaking his head and he's just like, I can't get this guy away from me. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's about that too, but they're leading up to the school, the classroom unit. And it's also about seeing how people have turned out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, the people that have stuck with their high school identity and never like that one flat topped drunk guy who reads mm. the poetry. Oh yeah. In a scene that I can't quite figure is Bobby. He like, is he, is he like coming to terms with his own feelings? Was that supposed to be a gay moment or I have no idea what that was supposed I to be. I never thought it was a gay moment. I think it was that he was actually showing some vulnerability and trying to show Martin that he wasn't just this dumb jock who sells cars now that he actually has some depth to him and that he's not, I mean, I like, when Martin says to him, when it looks like he's going to start fighting, when they want to fight, he says, Are, do you think this is about us? There is no us, Bobby. There's no us. There's nothing to resolve. And then Bobby pulls out a poem. Not a very good one, but... <laughs> well, we don't know, because we only heard the first two lines and the last line. Uh-huh. <laughs> it might have got better. Yeah. I'm, I'm betting no. I, I thought that was kind of interesting, because otherwise Bobby is a completely two-dimensional, you know, just staring at all the women's chests and being being drunk and being a jerk and saying, you want to go out in the, co- in the, in the parking lot and do coke? Yeah. And he's clearly like, okay, this is the guy who peaked in high school. This is right. the guy, you know, this is his glory days, and he's still a jerk, and every, everyone uh, still thinks he's a jerk. It's a cute scene, but I will have to say this is one of the things that adds to the unevenness of the film. The scene mm-hmm. has really no bearing on the story at all. No, it doesn't change anything, it, no. and it it's never mentioned again. No, and this is why I'm saying that the school, the class reunion, is partially a focus of the film, because they're trying to have moments like these with all of the characters he runs into to give them a little growth, and it's like, it's really not important to mm. what Cusack's character is going through, what, what, what Martin Blank is going through. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's like it's good stuff, but it's like, I wonder if they if somebody else had edited this, if the film might have ended up being tighter and better received. It might have been. It might have been. Uh, the final scene is very strange. It's I like it. It's a lot of fun, but it doesn't make any sense. The final sequence, Martin discovers that his target, the reason he's there in Gross Point, the person he's there to kill is Debbie's father. And right. he doesn't find this out until the very end because he just he doesn't want to deal with it he hasn't looked at the file and it turns grocer wants him to join the union and when he's refusing he says well you know what? we're going to do the job for you we're going to kill this guy and then we're going to kill you and grocer goes to try to kill debbie's father and blank goes and saves him and is protecting him and Bl- grocer and like four or five other guys <laughs> come to the house this is where the body count skyrockets and blank is like murdering them left and right well they are shooting at him first no he is defending it's true he's killing them at the same time he is trying to bear his soul to debbie and explain you know why he left and how much he loves her and it was a real that was a part i didn't quite understand because he says i was sitting there waiting for waiting for, to go pick you up at the prom i was 
freaking out, and in that moment I realized for the first time that I could kill someone. And I don't know what he was talking about, that he would, her or her father or I just anyone he, in general. I think he said he wanted to kill someone. Yeah, he said, but he realized he had the capability, and he said, because I loved you so much, I figure I shouldn't be around you, because he didn't want her to be around a killer. Well, now he does. Yeah, apparently now he <laughs> wants to give it up. And, you know, she's just sitting there. He's got her, her father and her are hiding in the bathtub, which, which, by the way, in a gun battle is the safest place to be. If you're worried about being shot, get in the bathtub. It's usually made of cast iron. It'll stop most low-caliber bullets. I thought the and, safest place was Paris. <laughs> well, no, the safest place is England, where, you know, the, the police all go, stop, or I'll say stop again. Uh, anyway... And you know, they're just worried about, these people are trying to... That's also the fun part. He has nothing in common with anyone. They may, they point that out a lot when he says, when he's going to the reunion, what am I going to talk to these people about? You know, they, they all like sell insurance or, or you know, are lawyers or doctors. And what do I say? Hi, yeah, I killed the president of Paraguay with a fork. <laughs> and it's, he's trying, he doesn't understand why they're so upset because he's used to people shooting at him. Yeah. That's just sort of the thing, and like she, he's given her a gun, and she, it, she can't figure out how to take the safety off, and she just goes, "Make this gun work." Yeah, and mm. he has that final fight with Grocer, which I love. Yeah, I and hits him with. Oh, so for the younger viewers, ah. that believe it or not, that is a television set. And it has what's called a CRT, or cathode raid tube. It also has an enormous amount of capacitors in it. It holds an enormous amount of electricity stored. Right. The other thing, too, though, is if you actually hit somebody with the screen of a TV, it would probably bounce off their head. <laughs> yeah. But he hits him hard enough with a, with a like, 25-inch CRT TV to kill him. And it's the he smashes the screen, and he's either his head is crushed or he's electrocuted. That, that is possible, by the way. That is entirely possible. Oh, yeah. The only thing that was missing is that usually there's a puff of phosphorus that... Right, and there's a loud pop, I yeah. think. Well, I think there's some, it's under pressure of some sort. Mm -hmm. But, uh, oh, you know, <laughs> talk about nitpicking the death scene. <laughs> uh, oh, I it's, that, a, it's a great fight scene. And it also, he doesn't get away unscathed. You know, in doing that, he cuts the hell out of his hand. He's bleeding all over the place. He's got uh, wounds on his head. Yeah. And there's that strange moment... Grocer is using him as a patsy for these two NSA agents. He's saying, look, you just show up and kill him. It, it's complicated. It doesn't matter. Whenever, not a lot of it isn't explained. When they show up to kill Blank, Grocer just turns around and shoots them. Yep. And he's got this look of delight, on, of demonic delight on his face. It's like, obviously, he likes killing people. Yeah. That's why he does it. Blank does it because he's good at it. But Grocer is really crazy. Grocer does it because he loves it. And I love that moment because in that second, you realize what the difference between them is. Because Blank is looking like, I'm shooting because they're shooting at me. And Grocer's like, I want to kill them. I just do. And I love it. They empty their guns, and he turns and looks at Blank and goes, Workers of the World Unite! <laughs> <laughs> there was one thing about this movie that, I, that did make me happy in that we often look at Hollywood films older ones more often than the more recent ones have a certain recurring problem mm -hmm. and we didn't have to address it in this film and that recurring problem is that everybody in the film tends to be very 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 wait very very white <laughs> yeah. now yeah. living in michigan i can tell you that gross point is very mm -hmm. very 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 <laughs> very 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 white it ah. is a very rich white neighborhood with white 
white people doing white, white things. So it actually fits the context of the film. Um, and I also like the fact that the one black guy in the film is fully competent. He's actually pretty funny. Um, they don't make him out to be some stooge or anything. He's just another character. Mm-hmm. But this is one of those few films where you can give it a pass because where it takes place is Whitey yeah. McWhiterson High School. That is a really... I remember looking around the first time I saw that and thinking, wow, everybody here has a really nice house. Yeah. I mean, it, Debbie's house, that's that's a friggin' mansion. Yeah, it makes all the John Hughes films look like the poor section. Mm. <laughs> and that's Gross Point. It is a very wealthy, oh, wealthy area. Okay. So it makes huh. sense. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> And some of the little throwaway things, like um, Marcella is, say, at, when uh, Martin's walking around and he realizes, wow, there are all these people who are following him or watching him, and because there's now a contract out on him for another job where he accidentally killed a dog. Well, he didn't do it. True. The dog died <laughs> during his mission and the owner is blaming him. Right, because they were throwing dynamite around and... Uh, the dog was a retriever. <laughs> dog. So, well, you can see what happened. Yep, so bad luck for Boudreaux and bad luck for Blank. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Marcella is giving him background on the people who are there. And I I just love some of the stuff in there. Like she's talking about one of the NSA agents. You know, Steve and -and so-and-so, a.k.a. Steve. Steve. (laughs) A.k.a. Stevie. And uh, when she's talking about Benny the Jet Arquides, she's like, enjoys Native American art, ballroom dancing, and pornography. (laughs) Just these little throwaway things are often just priceless. You know, those I think, I wonder if those aren't Cusack-isms, because they feel very Cusack. They might. They might. he was be. one of the writers. I think he was and also one of the producers. Also, the music in it is, is really cool. It's ex- They make a thing about how it's a lot of 80s music, because the 80s is when he was in high school. Right. The, mov- the movie takes place in 96. He went to high school in 86. And they're playing, you know, under pressure, and they're, uh, Johnny Nash doing "I Can See Clearly Now" and Guns N' Roses version of "Live and Let Die." And it's, it, I liked it. I like the music because a lot of it is very non. Some of it is mainstream, like like "I Can See Clearly Now" or "Under Pressure," but some of it is like "Blister in the Sun," and they've got a bunch of violent femmes in there. And well, you know what the deal Susie is, Susie and the Banshees. Maybe you didn't notice, but it's like up until the point we get to the reunion, mm-hmm. it's all sort of like lesser known 80s music all the stuff mm. you're talking about and then we get to the reunion that's when no, the pressure comes out I, and that's yep, when I did not that because yeah. that's what you play you play the songs that everybody knows at a reunion right um, mm. and so it's what it suggested to me since she works at a radio station Debbie works at a radio station is that she has a lot better taste than the average people in her class yeah so yeah. Um, I think it was the violent femmes that actually came into the picnic one time <laughs> It was really? so weird. I didn't know who they were. Oh, this wow. Four people came in who looked very much like a rock band. And I'm like, okay, customers, whatever. The next thing I know, somebody has seen them, has run next door when we used to have a Tower Records next door, mm. bought a Violent Femmes album, and has come back into the picnic to get them to sign it. <laughs> oh, it's like, oh, I wonder who these people are. I didn't know who they were, but, you know, that's who it mm. turned out who they were. It's like Violent Femmes? <laughs> yes, but uh, who are the Ramones? <laughs> There's some, we had weird... Uh, just off the wall people wander mm. into the picnic sometimes uh, one of them was Carrie Fisher yeah. um, I don't know what she was doing Jean-Claude there. Van Damme no he did oh, not oh I thought he, he did no 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 you had you, you had the right idea in that you were aiming towards French it was Christopher Lambert that's it he was the one who came in and bought all the Tintin books right <laughs> yes because yeah. at that point apparently he was up for playing Tintin in a live action movie and uh. I would never have recognized him except he paid with an American Express card and I saw the name and I looked back and it's like 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> if I squint real hard and you take those glasses mm. off, maybe. Um, Tommy uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, yeah. That was a very tense little uh, exchange. Um, he was filming Bombed Away at that time. Uh, oh, Bombs oh, Away. God. Bombs Away. Uh, otherwise, we used to get lots of comic people, but every once in a while, some Hollywood person would just wander in. Yeah. And, yeah, um, Princess Leia there... Um, I suddenly blanked on her name and I just said it. Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher, literally, I didn't know who it was because she walked in. So she, her back was to me. She walked to the back of the store. She went down an aisle and then turned up an aisle to face me, looked sort of in my direction like, what the hell am I doing in here? And then left the store. <laughs> oh, so, interesting. Yeah. Both of us were basically just sort of right. stared at each other and was like, uh... The show has come to a grinding halt. Yes, yes. Which must yes, mean it it's time to wrap this puppy up. I think so. The Roundup. Well, Grinder, what do you think? Well, no, no, let me t- yeah, tell me. What, did, what do you think of this movie? Well, so I'd seen it once, and I saw it a long time ago. I want to say I actually saw it probably within a few years of it having come out. Uh-huh. Because it was a Michigan thing, and I had just moved to Michigan, or I was visiting Michigan. Yeah. I can't remember which. And so my newfound Michigan friends showed it to me on VHS. Um, and I remember thinking, ah, it's, it's okay. This time around, I actually thought it was it was more fun and cuter than I remember. Um, I think it doesn't hurt that it was a far better copy than <laughs> I saw before. Because for those folks who miss VHS, please turn your radios off now i don't want to talk to you um it's like the people who like vinyl vinyl is not a good thing vinyl should go away um it's very uneven there are and again we talked about this there's parts it's like is it serious is it funny i don't know um i like john cusack he carries the film very well the whole film feels very cusack so i like that i like joan cusack she's funny uh i love ellen arkin uh i I know he has done far more amazing performances, but he took all of his skill and made something fun out of it. Um, so I like parts of it, but it feels like it could have used a final edit. And I think that's probably why it didn't do as well as they had hoped it would do. Um, I think it's a funny idea, but they needed to decide if it was going to be funny or if it was going to be serious or if it was going to be a love story and kind of pick one. Hmm. I, yeah, I agree with that. I think that it's it's kind of all over the place. It really is like three different movies. I do have to say, I also this is one of the reasons I find it a guilty pleasure. If you look at it more closely, there's a really dark element to it, and there's an element that makes Martin's character pretty unpleasant. Yeah, I mean the guy is a professional murderer. Yes, he doesn't have he at most of the time he doesn't seem to have any kind of moral qualms about the fact that he can literally put a price tag on a human life. And we are still supposed to like him. And right. he doesn't have a, as they say, the come to Jesus moment where he suddenly thinks, oh, my God, every, what I've done is wrong. It's as like you said, it's he just doesn't enjoy it anymore. He gets no satisfaction from it. I wonder what he's going to do next. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to wonder as they're dry. You know, it ends. That's a kind of a happy ending for that's the other thing that just friggin baffles me. She goes with him. She decides yeah. to, you know, he says, you know, come with me. I want to marry you. And. And she does. And it's like, wow, you've just seen how incredibly bloody and violent the last 10 years of this guy's life have been. He's clearly not the person you knew. Why are you going with him? Yeah. I like the ending is nice. 
it doesn't make any sense. No. And it, it, that kind of bothers me about the movie, and that's one of the reasons it's sort of a guilty pleasure. Because I still find all the characters charming. I think the dialogue is a lot of fun. I think the side character... I like a lot of it. Yeah. But fundamentally, I think it's kind of flawed. I think it just doesn't know what exactly what it wants to be. Mm. And it's, as you said, they've shot three films, and it's like, yeah, we know. Mm. So, But yeah. So uh, any any final words or nope that's pretty much it I I do recommend it but know what you're go you're getting when you go into it you know don't be, be aware that it's uneven and uh, take it with a grain of salt yeah but yeah, so but as far as guilty pleasures goes Max has not really made you I don't think he's made us feel all that guilty next week uh, strange magic you don't remember that I uh, yeah but you know I mean strange magic was just sort of meh yeah that's know? true it's just kind of yeah, it's not necessarily bad. And then I made you, I made you watch a I made you watch a Polanski film. So yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's a whole other can of worms. But so, what are you going to force? I may suggest that uh, we I, we watch next week, Mike. So basically, what I'm saying here is mm. this show has not made our audience feel guilty enough. Um, so next week, there's going to be a little bit more pummeling next week, and you yes. have to watch the whole thing. Okay. Next week, we will be taking on. My absolute favorite Bruce Willis film, Hudson Hawk. <laughs> oh, no. I am not a big Bruce Willis fan. There is basically two Bruce Willis films I actually like. One of them is Fifth Element, which I think is a perfectly fun, well-done movie that I did mm-hmm. not like the first time I saw it, but have since grown to love. <laughs> and this film, which I saw in the theater when it wait, came out. Wait. You didn't like Die Hard? No. Oh. I didn't, wow. you know why, why I didn't, I think it's a perfectly good reason why I didn't okay. like Die Hard. Yeah. Because I thought there was absolutely no way that Bruce Willis would lose to Alan Rickman. You, wait, you mean the other way around? You thought Alan Rickman would win? I thought, I thought there was no way that Bruce Willis would, should lose to Alan Rickman. You thought he there sh- was no, no way that Bruce Willis would lose to should Alan lose. Rickman? He oh, should lose. should lose. No. Okay, so you're saying he should have lost. Okay. Yes, I'm sorry. Alan All Rickman right. had every card. What did Bruce Willis have? No shoes. I just, no. And okay, I just, we can uh, talk about that next week when we get all Bruce Willis-y. But, so you all listening are going to go and dig out your copies, because I know you have them. I bet Hudson they don't. Hawk, that brilliant film starring Bruce Willis and a cast of thousands. Yeah, a cast of very many very surprising people, including, by the way, Oscar nominee Richard E. Grant. Who's Richard E. Grant? Uh, he's uh, one of the Mayweathers. Mayflowers. Oh, Mayfl- God. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's what's his name? May- Mayflower. Yep. So until next week, Bunny Ball Ball. Max Mike Movies is a co production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. <laughs>